Find your next truck at Woodhouse Buick GMC. No matter where you're heading or what tasks need tackling, there's a premium and capable GMC truck that's perfect for you. Make a statement on the job site, out in the town, or wherever life leads you in the powerful and distinctive Sierra 1500. Or elevate your driving experience in the adventurous and innovative canyon. Explore our inventory online at WoodhouseBuickGMC.com or visit our indoor showroom today. Woodhouse Buick GMC. We are professional grade. As an Alliant Energy representative, I really enjoy helping businesses save. Today, I visited a business that asked for a free energy audit. After walking through their facility, I let the customers know how much money and energy they could be saving. Plus, I gave them an action plan detailing how to improve their energy efficiency. I showed them how they could save even more with rebates from Alliant Energy on equipment upgrades. If you are interested in saving energy and money, schedule a free energy audit at AlliantEnergy.com slash energy audit. You're listening to the Huddle Up Podcast with Chad Jensen and Zach Kelberman. Join Broncos Country's deep divers at milehighhuddle.com and sound off. And now it's time to drop some knowledge. Okay, we're live, but we got to let the stream breathe just for a second while we bring on Facebook and then we're going to dive right in to the gut reaction. And what a gut punch it was welcome in everybody to the huddle up podcast presented as always by mile high huddle and powered by overtime media i'm your host chad jensen with me as always is my partner in crime rain sleet snow win lose draw my fellow football priest you know him you love him he is zach kelberman zach you asked something maybe it was rhetorical but i don't think it was so i'm gonna serve it right back to you (laughs) right before we went live you said what are the positives coming out of this game? And for what it's worth, gang, I'm sure you all know this. Broncos just got trounced 48-19 by the Bills. If you can find a positive in this game, what would it be? I wouldn't say any collective. I'd say individually, you know, Noah Fant played well. Melvin Gordon ran pretty hard. Uh, Sam Martin had a good game. He's been the MVP of the season, arguably. Other than that, though, I mean, the defense, guys, we're going to get to lock plenty in today's podcast, but Chad, the defense quit on Vic Fangio. That was one of the more poor defensive efforts we've seen in the Fangio era, and it reminded me a lot of the VJ days, the Miami Dolphins loss, those big blowout defeats where the Broncos just waved that white flag and didn't want to play anymore. That last touchdown punctuated, Chad, that Fangio might have lost his clout or authority or pulse of that locker room, at least on defense, bad showing. I'm hearing a little bit of a weird sound on your mic. So guys, as we're going, it might be on my end more often than not, it's been on my end over the, over these months, but if it uh, persists, be sure to let us know in the chat stream, Zach, it, the turning point was the drew lock strip sack. You could see literally as the ball left his hand left Drew's hand, you could see the air just go out of him, like arms to the sky while he's literally still going to the ground. Like he knew what that meant. Yeah. And of course you can see Jerry who's uh, Hughes pick up the ball and make that entire Broncos offense, which granted they're not, you know, tacklers per se, but they are football players. Make them look like the Keystone cops while he rumbles it in for a touchdown. And that was it, man. That was where whatever, modest whatever sliver of hope sliver of belief sliver of confidence the whole team had left that was it uh maybe they could have survived it if it wasn't a scoop and score but the fact that lock fumbled they scooped then they scored 
it was a dagger that just got buried in the heart of the Broncos. And I agree with you. I I'm, I'm trying to rack my brain here on a point in the Fangio era where it really felt like the team gave up. And maybe there was a point last year. I'm thinking of that first chiefs game, uh, but nevertheless, this, it felt like the team gave up. Now there was one defensive triumph in the second half. It was getting that stop on fourth and one. Other than that, dude, it was a complete bloodbath. That was a pride stop, Chad. And you know what? Even a broken clock is right twice a day. This was, you know, we praised Fangio last week. We praised Fangio since the Dolphins game pretty much for his defensive game plans, and rightly so. But today, it didn't seem like he had the Broncos ready to play. It didn't seem like they had intensity. They were out physical on both sides of the ball from the opening snap. And you can talk about the, the fumble six that Locke committed. But going back, what we talked about on halftime, when they uh, forced a turnover, scored a touchdown, and they got the ball back after a three and out. What they did on that drive, the game was over to me right then. That was their prime opportunity to capitalize and get really get on this Buffalo Bills team and maybe throw them into a, a loop. You know, you hit them with a headshot and they kind of get staggered. They don't know how to adjust to that. That was it for them, Chad. Once they punted that ball away, they punted their, their shot of this winning this game away. And the second half was like the Broncos, a tale of two teams. It was Jekyll and Hyde, and that was definitely Hyde in the second half. 534 total yards did Vic Fangio's defense give up this evening. That was just, that's got to be a record. I don't know this for sure, but that's got to be the most since Fangio's been in Denver. 534 yards, 48 points. Now, Zach, you take away the scoop and score touchdown, and it's still ugly. It's 41 points you relinquished in. The Broncos, I mean, look, they they made a, an effort at trying to keep up, you know, putting a couple of scores on the board in the first half, but Similar to going up against the Chiefs or any elite team in the league, you the, the margin of error is non-existent. How many? Let's 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 go before even the fumble, Zach, where where Drew got strip sacked and and the floodwaters, you know, floodgates open. How many errors were there up to that point? First of all, you got the missed field goal from fifty-four. Then you got the missed extra point. Couple. I mean, actually, Drew Locke had a couple of picks that he got lucky that weren't yeah. actually intercepted by the Bills. They didn't walk that line. They, they. I mean, if you're talking about trying to color within the lines, you got your margin of error. The Broncos were all over the page, dude, and you just can't do that against a team like the Bills. And that stems from what? I, I mean, I, I know I've I've beaten this horse till it's been dismembered now, but it starts with coaching. And when Fangio has his guys ready to play and he has the coaches with the proper game plan, you saw what can happen. And we understand it was a lesser opponent against the Panthers last week, but the Dolphins weren't a lesser opponent. The, the Patriots were, were a lesser opponent, and they still uh, resoundingly defeated both of those teams. It's just that when, when he doesn't have them ready to go and he doesn't have them psyched up and, and thinking that they actually have a chance to win, it, it's so tough, like you said, to face a juggernaut. And with the injuries and with the, how it was stacked against them, it was always an uphill battle. It was always improbable but not impossible. But to lay down like that, to see those yards, those points, to give up long touchdowns, Chad, with no resistance, that's where I find fault. A loss is a loss, but to get blown out in that fashion, that's what I take umbrage with. And the worst part about it is, like, you, yes, a loss is a loss. If you make it respectable, you don't throw in the towel, you avoid some of the uh, knee-jerk talking points right now that are. I saw it on Twitter right before I came live. I'm sure we're going to see it in the stream of blow it all up, Vic Fangio's trash. 
Drew Locke sucks. Fire happen. John Elway. Blow it all up. And while I'm not necessarily going to say you know that that take is completely 100% off base because this was ugly the second half, you got to keep it in perspective. But nevertheless, Zach, this was a game in which it looked like men who get paid to play football chose to not show up for work for 30 of the 60 minutes in this game. And it could, unfortunately, have some reverberations. It'll be interesting to see what the last two weeks of this season end up uh, you know, providing for this team. But that was ugly. That was definitely not what you wanted to see if you're the Denver Broncos. Even like a relatively close loss, relatively by like maybe two scores. <laughs> but right. now we're talking here, Zach, just a brutal, embarrassing, shameful. I mean, allowing Singletary. After the game's over, you got a garbage time touchdown on first down to allow him to run 51 yards to pay dirt. It's shameful. And I know I'm media and, you know, I shouldn't, they should be ashamed. And I'm sure they are. It was absolutely putrid. It looked like the second half team, they were with Juwan James somewhere, Chad, just opting out of the game. They they just had no interest in playing. And they weren't down a lot. What was it, twenty-one thirteen at halftime? That's an that's a one possession game. I mean, that's a that's anyone's ball game at that point. And even if they probably weren't gonna win this game, it's eight points. But to come out in the second half, and what's the first thing they do? It was the last thing we saw on our halftime stream. The first thing they did in the second half, Tom McMahon's special teams lets up a long kick return and they end up scoring on that series, and it's just it was it was gone from there. So it, it was like they had that belief and they had that fight and they give everything they they could in the first half and come the second half though it was like all right let's cash our game check and get out of here guys we're gonna get to <clears throat> all your questions all your topics we have many many super chats stacked up but first we do got to take care of a few matters of business really quick here starting with the sponsor of tonight's live stream podcast here Manscaped who is the best in men's below the waist grooming. Manscaped offers precision-engineered tools for your family jewels. They obsess over their technology, their developments, to provide you the best tools for your grooming experience, Zach. And I know you're a big fan of the – I like the lawnmower, but I know you like the uh, the nose trimmer, the weed whacker. I do. Uh, yes, I have it right here. Uh, as you, I'm going to turn it on for a second so you can hear it. I, I, I pimp this product every week, but rightfully so because I use it every week. And, uh, honestly, not to BS you guys, I'm gonna, I'm gonna use this right after the pot tonight. My nose hair is already growing back. That is the unfortunate truth and the uncomfortable truth about men, Chad, and men's grooming. Things grow back fast. We have hair in places that some people don't, and you have to take care of it. With Manscaped, it's easy, it's simple. It's it's luxurious. It feels good in your hand. It looks good. It's packaged well. It's a great company. Anyone who wants male grooming needs this Christmas, Chad, as a stocking stuffer, be sure to order. Promo code HUDDLE. That's right. They've engin- Their engineer team has spent 18 months perfecting the greatest you-know-what trimmer ever. And they just released their new and improved lawnmower, which I'm going to turn on just for a second so you can see the light, which I love, that illuminates those hard-to-see, hard-to-get-to spots when you're doing your own manscaping. And when we tell you that this is premium, we mean that these are premium products. The battery on the lawnmower lasts up to 90 minutes. That means you can take longer to uh, shave. It's waterproof technology, so you can take it into the shower or the tub with you, whatever floats your boat. And again, one of the coolest features, that LED light illuminating the close areas, they've updated the 7,000 RPM motor with quiet stroke technology. And we can't forget about the charging stand. So you can show off your your mower loud and proud because this is intelligently designed with a stand and it's convenient. It's a charging dock. It's powered by USB. So if you're listening to us speak right now, 
We want you to experience it firsthand. It's not too late to get it in for the stocking stuffers, as Zach mentioned. Trim that junk of yours. Get 20% off and free shipping with the code HUDDLE at manscaped.com. Your family jewels will thank you, Zach. Yes, Broncos country. Again, get 20% off and free shipping with the code HUDDLE at manscaped.com. That's 20% off with free shipping at manscaped.com and use promo code HUDDLE. Just so many cool things coming this kit. I'm looking at the Crop Reviver, which is a toner. I'm looking at the Crop Preserver, which is a deodorant. Just a lot of cool things that you can get stuff in that stocking. So check that out, manscaped.com. Use the code HUDDLE. You get that 20% off plus the free shipping. All right, real quick, we're going to just remind you, everyone, just briefly, follow on on Twitter, at HuddleUpPod, also at MileHighHuddle. Check out the merch store when you get some time, HuddleUpPod.com. Get your swag on. Uh, get a hat, get a tee, get a, a hoodie, get a mug, a little something for everybody. Talking about that stocking stuffer idea for that special Broncos fan and MHHer in your life. And then also, shout out to our Facebook community. We love each and every one of you, especially our supporters. If you want to become an official supporter, Click the big uh, blue button on our page. You're in like Flynn. We got some huge programming coming down the pike for you starting in January that's going to be dedicated to only our Facebook official supporters only. And then last thing, real quick, gang, these three things we we ask each and every person. Not everyone can patronize the merch store. Not everyone can, uh, you know, get a uh, become a supporter, become a super chat, superstar, whatever. But everyone has the power to do these three things. We put in the work. You're here with us. Every single day, we ask that you subscribe, like, and share this video. The, the, the number three, that's the litmus test to let Zach and I know if we're doing a good job. So share this video out there if you think we're doing a good job. Help us continue to grow and reach new like-minded Broncos fans just like you. This is the Overtime Podcast Network. Find your next truck at Woodhouse Buick GMC. No matter where you're heading or what tasks need tackling, there's a premium and capable GMC truck that's perfect for you. Make a statement on the job site, out on the town, or wherever life leads you in the powerful and distinctive Sierra 1500. Or elevate your driving experience in the adventurous and innovative canyon. Explore our inventory online at WoodhouseBuickGMC.com or visit our indoor showroom today. Woodhouse Buick GMC. We are professional grade. As an Alliant Energy representative, I really enjoy helping businesses save. Today, I visited a business that asked for a free energy audit. After walking through their facility, I let the customers know how much money and energy they could be saving. Plus, I gave them an action plan detailing how to improve their energy efficiency. I showed them how they could save even more with rebates from Alliant Energy on equipment upgrades. If you are interested in saving energy and money, schedule a free energy audit at AlliantEnergy.com slash energy audit. Yikes, that was ugly, Broncos country. But let me tell you something that might help improve your mood. Coors Hard Seltzer is not your average seltzer. Rooted in Coors' long history of sustainability is a brand inspired by a generation that wants to do good in the world with a mission to restore America's rivers. Coors Hard Seltzer is launching the world's easiest volunteer program. Never before has it been so easy to make a difference in the world. Whatever you're doing, by simply cracking open a can of Coors Hard Seltzer, you're volunteering. Our waterways, gang, are at risk. 80% of America's rivers are drying up, but through a partnership with Change the Course, Course Hard Seltzer is helping to protect and restore America's rivers. Here's how it works. Each 12-pack of Course Hard Seltzer restores 500 gallons of fresh water to U.S. rivers and the communities that depend on them. The results? 1 billion gallons of water restored to 16 river basins across the U.S., including the Colorado River, and that's just year one. 
For refreshing flavors, one cool cause, enjoy naturally flavored black cherry, mango, lemon lime, and grapefruit. And the specs are in, gang. Coors Hard Seltzer is 4.5% ABV. And Zach, it's only 90 calories. Chad, I like all the flavors, but personally, I had the lemon lime with me uh, today, and nothing takes the sting off quite like a Coors Hard Seltzer. I, it's my go-to for football season, non-football season, but after a tough Broncos loss, Chad, it definitely goes down a little better. So join the world's easiest volunteer program by simply cracking open a can of Coors Hard Seltzer. You can volunteer to restore America's rivers. You buy Coors Hard Seltzer, you help restore 500 gallons of water into America's rivers. It is that simple. So visit CoorsSeltzer.com to find Coors Hard Seltzer near you. That's CoorsSeltzer.com. For every 12-pack sold through 831-2021, Coors will purchase services from Change the Course to restore 500 gallons of fresh river water. Details at CoorsSeltzer.com. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Fort Worth, Texas. All right, John, do we have... Let's let's dive right into the stream here. Do we have uh, Father Ridge and Tom? I don't. The stream jumped mine. Let's grab Father Ridge here. Thank you for the super chat, my friend. He says far more questions than answers surrounding Locke. Time to draft a quarterback round one. Still give Locke a chance next year, but it's time to take a quarterback. I'm not quite there. I'm not even quite. I'm my perspective. Father Ridge is trade up. My perspective on Drew Locke has not changed. Uh, from the same – last time we talked, it was Thursday night, right? The last full episode was Thursday night. My perspective hasn't changed. This was a bad loss, very ugly. But as you could see, gang, the entire team was unprepared for the absolute war of attrition. The Bills were ready to go. They had a division title on the line, and this is one of the best teams in the league. And if you're going to step onto the field with a team like this, you got to be prepped. you got to be ready to go execution, intensity, effort, all those things. It was kind of there in the first half, but again, the dam broke wide open in the second. I'm not going to take a huge, ugly shellacking and and throwing in the towel uh, by Vic Fangio's defense as an indictment on Drew Locke. Now, Drew didn't play great today, but he wasn't like absolutely terrible. This isn't even close to the worst game we've seen from Drew this year, Zach. It's exactly the point I was going to make. I mean, even the most ardent Locke hater, has to watch this game. And and the bigger takeaway, Chad, the, the bigger culprit in today's game, you can talk about the special teams, but Fangio's defense. To give up, not just to give up points and yards to Buffalo, we all knew that was going to happen. It was the way in which they allowed those points and yards. And I saw a comment that I kind of agree with. If the entire reason that Fangio has the job now is defense, and his defense looked that bad today, then what redeeming quality does he bring to the table as the head coach? And he showed, Chad, he won't even challenge spots still. That's another it's another bane of contention with me about Vic Fangio. He's relying way too much on analytics and his guy upstairs. He doesn't have that head coaching intuition that a, a lot of other coaches do, even younger coaches in the NFL. You either have it or you don't. So once again, this lends credence to the, maybe the notion, Fangio, great defensive mind, maybe not head coaching material. But that defensive mind today, Chad, was absent. Very disappointing effort. I really don't expect there to be any change at head coach. Again, I mean, if, if you're going to fire a head coach, then John Elway has to fire himself. Like, you can't stand up there with a straight face and fire another head coach and remain as the, the GM slash, you know, president of football operations. And that's not going to happen. Tom El Greco jumping in. Appreciate you, my friend, up there north of the 49th parallel. He says the bubble burst today against an elite team. Yeah, it did. It did, my friend. It was ugly. 
We've seen the Broncos get their their dander up and play much better than this against very good teams. I mean, they played – they had the Titans dead to rights. If, uh, you know, Jerry Judy doesn't drop a third down pass in the four-minute offense, game over. That's one of the better teams in the league. Got shellacked by the Steelers after Luck got hurt, came back, and even though the team that the, that the Patriots are today is not so good, when the Broncos faced them in week six, it was a different story. They – they kind of grinded out a win on the road, tough win, six field goals from McManus. We've seen the Broncos play better against stiffer competition, but for some reason, Zach, maybe it's you know going back to the straw and the camel's back thing. Maybe this is just uh, you know the sum of so many little disappointments adding up throughout the season to where emotionally, as he says, the bubble just burst, the dam just broke. It also seems like, for whatever reason, primetime games in the Broncos just don't jibe pretty well. I mean, when they're on a bigger stage, when the eyes are on them, they kind of, you know, they play lower. They play down to their competition. They don't play to their potential. The Bills are a much better team. I, I think no one disputed that. They're legit championship contenders, and the Broncos aren't even playoff contenders. It just showed the, the gap between Buffalo and Denver, and arguably Buffalo and every other team in the AFC. They're, they really are that good. Listen, not to exonerate the Broncos or Fangio, but they played this game shorthanded. They played this game without Cortland Sutton, Von Miller, and what, five of their top cornerbacks? It it was impossible. But again, it wasn't that they lost this game. It was how they lost this game that I think, Chad, you and me and a lot of Broncos fans have an issue with. Yeah, it was ugly. Uh, Gang, let me know. I'm hearing weird, um, a weird kind of sound breakup issue on Zach's end, but I don't know. If it's me. So if you guys are hearing that as well, please let us know in the comments. Uh, John, let me know on that. Mr. Boggins jumping in with the super chat. By the way, Boggins, that is a wonderful Christmas sweater that that uh, you sent me today. We sent it out on MHH Instagram. We sent it out on uh, Twitter and, and Facebook. Very nice. Rocking the trucker hats. Good to see you, my friend. He says, this offense is not working. I think we can all agree it's between the quarterback and the O.C., can't blame the waiver wire defense against a top offense, though. Yeah, man, I can't. I, there's no, no bone I can pick there, Zach. No, you can't. And uh, again, when you're down that many members in the secondary and you're playing converted safeties at quarterback against Josh Allen, Stephon Diggs, and this Bills offense, what do you expect? I had this game as a loss, and I think most of the MHH staff had this game as a loss for a reason, and most of Broncos country. It was always going to be an uphill battle, but again, like you said, if you lost by even two scores, you can swallow that. You can say, okay, it was the Bills. They had some good qualities of the Broncos. Something to build on and end the season strong in the last two games. But they were uncompetitive, unprepared, and also uninterested. It was completely apathetic performance by Denver after one of the stronger ones last week. You wonder what happened, what went wrong. All right, let's grab this one from Zach Lee Butler jumping in. Thank you, Zach. He says, Fangio being a soft type of coach – is showing more and more, very John Fox-like in 2014. I don't know, soft. I don't know if I'd call Fangio soft, but I would tell you that, dude, Fangio's defense has been gritty as, you know what, all year long. And all of a sudden today, the the dam just broke. I don't know how to explain it. I don't know. I mean, it, it really is inexplicable. I don't understand it because we've seen the Broncos in some pretty terrible situations where the odds were really low and, in a lot of those situations, Zach, they didn't come out on top. They, they they lost those games, but they weren't embarrassed on the national stage. And you said something – I mean, you're onto something there, Zach, about the national spotlight. We've yet to really see Fangio or Drew Locke, for that matter, in those situations 
rise to the occasion when the spotlight is on them. If you're a national, you know, if you just follow the the NFL, maybe you're your favorite team, you're somewhere in Florida, you're in New York, every once in a blue moon you get a nationally televised Broncos game, your opinion of Drew Locke, if you've saw him once or twice over the last you know, year and a half, yeah. isn't, isn't going to be very good. I, I've noticed that since my time covering the Broncos, which spans about five years now, or, you know, five seasons, they just, when they, on primetime, a nationally televised game, no matter if it's Saturday, Thursday, Sunday, they just don't show up. And uh, a continuing theme for Denver. I, I will say Fangio, I wouldn't call him soft because one of my criticisms has been his longer practices and physical practices, what maybe he should have been a little more, you know, softer on them. He's very hands-off, though. And that's what I don't like about Fangio. He doesn't get in the players' faces. He doesn't show much emotion. He doesn't step in there in the offensive huddle. He doesn't get in Locke's face. That's the kind of coach I want on the sideline. You don't have to be an a-hole. You don't have to be a D-bag. You don't have to be despised or feared by your players. But just show some life because the team will take on the personality of their head coach. And the personality today that Fangio showed was the same stoic, passive, kind of just whatever, standing there, arms folded. And you saw that come out in the field, Chad, which is, oh, well, another another touchdown let up. Oh, well, what are we going to do? It's almost like just a stoic resignation, like a stoic acceptance of where this thing is going. You know, when I say this thing, this game, where it's going. I would like to see more fire, sure, in a perfect world. But the biggest thing I would like to see from Fangio is honestly just more signs of accountability. You know, I don't I don't necessarily – I'm speaking for myself here. I don't necessarily need to see Vic Fangio on the sideline getting in a player's grill and chewing him out uh, for everyone to see. What I do want to see, though, is when someone really craps the bet, whether it's a coach, a player, et cetera, and, and especially if it becomes a patterns act. I want to see accountability, and we've never really seen that. Fangio kind of protects the guys that we seem from the outside looking in anyway to see as the consistent, constant uh, burr under the saddle. And then meanwhile, guys who are playing well, guys who seem to be kind of doing okay, suddenly get demoted. Look at my, And there's no explanation. Mike, I'm thinking of Michael O.J. Mudia. I'm thinking of Bosby getting cut right before the season started. I'm thinking of DeMar Dotson getting sat down just now for whatever reason. He yeah. still hasn't given up a sack, but they put Elijah Wilkinson in. So it's like we know that the repercussions are coming. Vic Fangio does kind of, you know, guys go in the doghouse, things happen, but they never add up. It, there's never really a rational, obvious, oh, yeah, that makes sense. Check that box. And it just leaves fans, it leaves media scratching our heads. Yeah, that's excellent points. And when Oj Mudia got ejected, he should have went over there and, and got on his case. And you don't have to undress him or dress him down in front of, uh, you know, the entire stadium or entire uh, audience in the country, but you have to at least show that it's not going to be acceptable. When Devontae Bosby let up that touchdown, he was looking for the refs to bail him out. Fangio being his defensive coordinator should be like, listen, this is why you were benched in the first place. This is why you didn't get playing time in the first place. It's unacceptable. How about the, the various Tom McMahon errors on special teams? Do you think after a while he would actually get in there and get in his grill and be like, listen, stop the BS. Be better. You saw, what was it, Chad? Four or five weeks ago, three or four or five weeks, Mike Zimmer on the Vikings sideline, he went after his assistant coach. Who was it, offensive line or special teams? He special. He, he literally almost attacked him. I'm not saying Fanju has to throw down and throw elbows, but at least get in his face. At least show that you care, and it's not going to be acceptable, this mediocrity going forward. This is the Overtime Podcast Network. When artist Yamandu Canosa knocks on Salvador Dali's door... What happens next? 
Enter the world of contemporary art in a new special exhibit. Now at the Dalvi Museum. Put industry leading, difference making, and tomorrow shaping on your to-do list. Explore Deloitte Technology Careers at Deloitte.com slash tech careers and engineer your future at Deloitte. All right. Uh, super here from John Houston jumping in. Thank you for the support, my friend. He says, two minutes left, three timeouts. We run the ball. Hashtag not competitive. Yeah, today was just a it was just a weird game, Zach. Is that in the second half to run the clock out or the first half? I think he's. I, I think he's talking the second half. But listen, it, it, this because uh, the first half they drove down and scored. So I'm thinking it. Ha- he, all he can be talking about is the second half and game's done, dude. It's over. Right. Yeah, they don't want to put out worse film. They don't want any more fumble sixes. They don't want interceptions. They want to get out of that stadium and move on to the next week. That's all it was. Uh, Chris Hernandez, 24 year veteran of the Air Force, and you got to let us know in that ticks over to 25 so that I'm not incorrect when I say 24-year veteran. But superstar, MHH, Mount Rushmore. On game days, his super chats are always symbolic of how the Broncos do on the scoreboard. And today, they put up 19. Now, there's a chance, Zach, at, let's see, 20, 21. They should have probably scored. If, if Brandon McManus plays this game, they're probably 24 points. Maybe more because some of those missed things, like the field goal that he missed, the extra point, you never know where these small turning points might be in the game that shift. Now, maybe those were too small to be really considered turning points, especially where two of them were extra points. But we definitely know that the missed field goal was a turning point because the Bills took a short field, drove down quickly, and scored. Bada bing, bada bang. So it was really kind of a 10-point swing for the Broncos. And Chris Harris, Zach says, tough loss. I mean, it's no guarantee, though, because McManus missed two extra points last week. So, I mean, no matter play kicker this week, they were probably doomed for failure under Tom McMahon. The number 19, though, we appreciated, Chris, but 19 other things I'd rather be doing than watching the Broncos today, Chad. Indeed. All right, we're uh, we're going to grab a couple more Super Chats, obviously lots of Super Chats that are, are stacked up here. A lot, of more, a lot more questions, things to be dissected on what happened today. And then we're also going to bring on for a quick segment because he's got things to do. But we stole his time here tonight because it's a game day, Mile High Insiders. And their pregame show today, by the way, very fun to watch, very refreshing. Maybe there's a model there. Maybe we in uh, in 2021, maybe we start doing pregames on every single uh, uh, game day. So we'll see about that. But first, we'll, we'll bring on Luke here in just a second. First, though, uh, we do got to take care of one quick matter of business, and that is, gang, drawing your attention to sportsbetting.com. As you know by now, gambling is legal in the state of Colorado, and here is what makes sportsbetting.com the go-to destination for any sports fan in all of Broncos country. Number one, you get sharp odds, you get low juice. They have their own in-house bookmakers. They're not a third-party provider of odds, which means you get reduced juice and the best prices, hassle-free bonuses that you can roll over after one time compared to other sites that make you Bet it five to 30 times before you can roll it over or access that money. It's yours, that bonus money, after you bet it one time. Plus, anytime you're dealing with money, if you do need to talk to someone, you want to talk to a real person, and you want to talk to that person now. At sportsbetting.com, you get 24-7 live customer support, and it's always a real person in the United States. But here's the kicker. At sportsbetting.com, you can get a 100% risk-free week of sports betting up to 1000 bucks, and it's not just one bet. It is all of your bets. The way it works is this. You play for a week. You make your bets. 
If your losses exceed your winnings at the end of the week, sportsbetting.com will cover 100% of that difference up to a thousand bucks. So head on over to sportsbetting.com slash mile high huddle, sportsbetting.com slash mile high huddle, and capitalize on a risk free week of sports betting up to a thousand bucks. All right, let's uh, real quick, very quick segue here. I want to bring on Luke, who's, um, I want to pick his brain on a couple of things here. Well, on can you can you grab it, John? For some reason, the way it's oh, hold on, hold on. Let me let me do it. There he is, there he is, Luke Patterson. Oh, there and gone. Bring him back on. There, here, there we go. All right, <laughs> I don't know what's going on. There he is. Hold on, is it going to hold? There he is, Luke We're Patterson, in. one of the co-hosts, Mile High Insiders. Luke, that was brutal. We uh, we want your take real quick on. Well, really, what's 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 your number one takeaway? Because as we, as Zach and I said at the top of this show, we are really struggling to find even a positive, even one positive thing to take into Week 16 with regard to these Broncos. What's your takeaway here as the Broncos just get shellacked and embarrassed by the Bills? This team is out of control, guys. It's, it's that simple. And for a head coach that hangs his hat on being a defensive mastermind, uh, when you see Alexander Johnson getting a flag on Josh Allen for a late hit, you start to see, you know, Michael Lujamudia, who's already, you know, has his hands full getting ejected. I'm starting to see these things and you just see a total collapse. I'm also feeling a lot of resentment because, uh, you know, I, I had to hear from Mark Schlereth and everyone else this week that the Broncos could have had Josh Allen. And uh, that's an, a very annoying narrative because you can't go back and change history. But the fact that there were more media members up there in Laram- Laramie, Wyoming, than Broncos coaches just goes to show you that there's a huge disconnect with finding talent at the quarterback level. Although I think Drew Locke showed some improvements with climbing in the pocket today, um, slightly going through some progressions, showing his athleticism on the run. He's a turnover machine, guys. And and the fumble, that just killed the team. You you guys talked about it earlier. And, and from there, the energy, it just dropped. Zach, is this a team that is completely out of control? I mean, this was bad, but do you concur? I think it's a team that doesn't have a leader. They're kind of a rudderless ship right now floating in the vast ocean of NFL, you know, irrelevancy. And until they have that guy at the top, the supreme leader, which would be the head coach, uh, everything won't fall into place. I'm, I'm right there with, uh, with, uh, Luke. It's not just again, they lost. It's the stupid mistakes. It's the undisciplined plays. It's the ejections and the late hits and the, the long touchdowns and the breakdowns. You should see that maybe in week one or week two. We're in week 15 now. It's December 19th. Why are we still seeing the same rookie mistakes and the same bad coaching or lack of that we saw last year and earlier this year? You talk about, you know, Drew Locke progressing. It's all about Locke's development. What about Vic Fangio's development? What about Vic Fangio's progress as a head coach? That's going backwards almost every single week. So Locke's not the only one taking, you know, one step forward, but four or five back. This is the Overtime Podcast Network. College can be expensive, but saving now can help your students save later. Give your child's college savings a boost by registering for a chance at a $1,000 savings plan deposit for 6th through 12th graders. Sign up today at iowastudentloan.org slash register. Not long ago, everyone knew that you're either born a boy or a girl. Not anymore. The Biden administration is pushing radical gender experiments on children, changing their names, clothes, identities, and bodies. 
Joe Biden and his left-wing allies push boys to take estrogen to appear more feminine. They push girls to take testosterone so they grow facial hair. Biden and progressive leaders promote puberty blockers to keep kids from developing to normal men and women. These drugs can leave you sterile, infertile, impotent. Joe Biden and the new left even promote surgery on teens and young adults, removing breasts and genitals. They want boys in our daughters' bathrooms and sports teams. And now, the Biden administration is planning to issue new rules that would force doctors to prescribe dangerous drugs and worse. Tell Joe Biden and left-wing leaders across America, hands off our kids. Paid for by America First Legal. Luke, now it's best case scenario is Broncos finish seven and nine, which would match, of course, what they did last year. If that's how it shakes out, if the Broncos finish seven and nine, what do you foresee happening in John Elway's end of season press conference? Does he have Vic Fangio sitting next to him? That all depends, Chad. Uh, I've been saying it for weeks, embarrassing losses. Uh, Things happen. Coaches get fired. Players get benched. Things happen. This is undoubtedly an embarrassing loss. By no means does that mean Vic Fangio will be fired tonight or by the end of the season. But can you imagine two more games against the Chargers and the Raiders like this one? I mean, I'm not projecting that to happen, but I'm just saying, would you feel comfortable with every single position, let alone your head coach and starting quarterback heading into the 2021 season? I think that depending on the results, there could be possible turnovers. And in no way am I suggesting that the turnovers at the coaching level or the quarterback level is the answer. But at some point, the excuses for Drew Locke and the turnovers, they just they're no longer valid, in my opinion. All right. Well, we'll see how it goes. We got to, it's going to be really interesting to see how the Broncos close out those final two games, both divisional games. See if they, you know, if this is some kind of watershed moment, whether good or bad in terms of the way this season finishes. But Luke, thanks so much for, for giving us a few minutes tonight, my friend. And uh, we look forward to whatever you got cooking up. I'm sure you got some stories that uh, you're going to be diving into coming out of this thing. So Thanks for, for giving us some time of yours tonight and also for letting us slide in and handle the gut reaction. Yeah, you guys are the best. Chad, Zach, go Broncos, and uh, get at the Huddle Up pod. Y'all y'all kick butt. Appreciate you, Appreciate brother. You, Luke. Thank you. See you. All right, we've got some uh, super stacked up, including from Mark Langley, wow. bonafide superstar, showing some uh, – some, I guess some, 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 some Christmas uh, – Generosity. I don't know. Mark, we love you, bro. Appreciate <laughs> it's the you. eggnog we need right now, Chad, after that Broncos game. Maybe spiked. Maybe. Definitely. Definitely. <laughs> Most definitely. Get it, get yourself maybe uh, you know, a little uh Coors Hard Seltzer in there. Maybe. <laughs> Mark, we love you, bro. I mean, it just blows us away. Thank you, bro. Yes. Thank you, Mark. Oh, sorry, sorry, John. Throw that back up. Uh Christian, one of our superstars. He's a he's a lifeguard. In Vegas, in enemy territory. It is now enemy territory anyway. Appreciate you, my friend. He says, all our problems start from the very top. We really need a new owner, ASAP. Going to be very hard to get back on top without a permanent owner. Yeah, but that's not going to be resolved for at least a year. So, you know, one thing Luke said there about, um, you know, the end of the season. Can you imagine if the, the Chargers game and the Raiders game shakes out the way this Bills game did? Do you see that being a real possibility, Zach? Because to me, just based on the tenor and tonality and the shape 
the complexion of this season up to this point, this felt more, and I'm not trying to make excuses, but this felt more like just a weird uh, watershed, like not watershed, more like a, more like an outlier where it was just, a, it was the opposite. It, no, not the opposite. It was Murphy's law. What could go wrong went wrong, especially in the second half. What I'm curious to see is whether or not anyone's going to be hung out to dry, so to speak. Like is Vic Fangio going to fire somebody and kind of send a message to that locker room? Cause what you want to do right now is somehow engender the, the reality that you're all, you know, you're all playing for your jobs, dude. We're out of the playoffs. These next two games, how you play is going to dictate your future with this team, whether as a player or as a coach. I'm glad Luke brought that up because, you know, we've gotten this question for the last, I don't know, four or five weeks, Vic Fangio's status for this season, for next season. And the only thing we said, the the only possibility of him getting fired this year was they get blown out of every game they play. And I'm with Luke. I don't think they're going to get blown out by any means against the Chargers and the Raiders. I think they can actually win both those games. But if they do, if they play like this the next two games, both divisional games to close the year, you at least have to have the conversation of, okay, is he the guy, if he's brought in and kept for his defense, why is his defense collapsing? What other redeeming quality could he bring to the table? That being said, though, I, I tweeted it, I don't think, Fangio, you might think he should be, and tonight's or today's game might have been a case for him to be, but he's not getting fired this season. He was never getting fired this season. As soon as the pandemic happened, Sutton went down, Miller went down, he had no quarterbacks. He was always riding this mulligan. So that's how I feel about it. I think he's safe. There's always going to be a scapegoat. It, it reminds me a lot of McCarthy in Dallas. I mean, he sh- arguably could be fired too. There's a case for him to be fired, but he's going to fire his defensive coordinator and save his own ass. It's the same thing Fangio is going to do. He'll fire Tom McMahon, maybe not Pat Shermer, but he'll fire someone on that staff just as a scapegoat. He's safe though. That's the reality of the situation. If you're looking for a scapegoat and your name is Vic Fangio, after everything that has been, appreciate you fly fish, um, after the way this season has unfolded, Comic Man sure makes for a convenient scapegoat. And and I don't just mean that in – I'm not really trying to be sarcastic. I mean, it was Tom who came to the team and said, this is the kicker I want is our emergency guy coming out of week 12, right? That blew up in their face in a big, bad way. So Fangio could, with that being the kind of the punctuation on the end of all yeah. the other special team snafus that have occurred this year, Fangio could stand up with a straight face to his coaching staff to his locker room, to Elway, and say this had to be done. And then it also sends a message because we've questioned whether or not Tom McMahon has a future with this team beyond 2020, basically through the entire season. So it wouldn't necessarily be or come as any kind of shock. You could also put this on Fangio because he should have fired McMahon after last season. He fired Scangarello, so there was precedent there to fire a coordinator. Why not McMahon? He kept him around, and if this was the straw, Chad, after all we've witnessed in the Tom McMahon era, if this was the final straw of the kicker, some random guy, something called Taylor Russolino coming in and missing these kicks— his final straw McMahon was weeks ago, Chad. I've been t- trending hashtag fire Tom McMahon since last season. The guy does not have it. But it's on the Broncos and Fangio in the front office. Why are they taking advice from Pat McAfee? Why not trust their own scouting? This is the best they can do to replace Brandon McManus, a guy who's no one ever heard of before, and one recommendation from a guy who has a podcast now. He's no longer in the NFL. 
to a special teams coordinator who's arguably the worst in the NFL. If anything embodies 2020, it's that little scenario right there. Again, it's a cool human interest story, the way Russellino ended up on the Broncos' radar, coming through Pat McAfee and whatnot. But, Zach, it was just – you got to wonder, like, who did you forsake to take him? Like, who were some of the other options out there that you considered, but you went, nah, this is our guy because he can combo kick. Najal Top jumping in with a generous super. Appreciate you, bro. The rapid reaction stream and the gut reaction. He says, brothers, absolutely despicable performance outclassed, out-hustled, out-coached, out-everything. Like you say, one step forward, three steps back. Simmons can't tackle, and they didn't even try. Elway must consider stepping mm. down. So this is the this is kind of the extreme, and I do understand it. I do understand it because it, it was so embarrassing that second half. Do you think Elway is going to throw in the towel and say, like, oh, that's it, I fire myself? No, because he'd be remembered for that. And nothing else. Not the titles he won as a player or as an executive. He would be regarded as a guy who quit when the going got tough and he couldn't develop a quarterback, couldn't find a quarterback, and left the Broncos a non-playoffless season for half a decade. Way too much pride. Way too much ego. He's going to ride out the last year of his contract, and then he might step down, then he might re-sign, whatever, but no way is he firing himself. It'd be like Jerry Jones doing it. There's just no chance. All right, I'm looking here. My goodness, we have so many supers that have stacked up. Let me uh, let me back it up and see where we're at. So that was Naj. Let me see. Uh, John, do we have Kenneth, Pickle, Ian, and Fat Cats? Those are the next three in order. And if I need to reverse engineer it, you're the man. This is why Bon a Beast is Bon a Beast. The man's a beast. We uh, don't recognize Fat Cats, but welcome and thank you. Make sure you connect with us on Twitter. Keep the conversation going. We want to shout you out after the show. I want to like Locke as the answer. Josh Allen is in his third year and is making huge improvement. Days like this worry me that Drew isn't taking enough steps. I totally understand it. I really do. Um, One thing you got to recognize, though, is that Allen has had coaching continuity from the drop. And not only the continuity, Zach, but really good coaching. Right. Exactly. As it gets in 2020, coaching – Allen has gotten that. And of course, he's made his coaches look all the much, all that better. Um, but nevertheless, Zach, coaching plays a part in this. And that's not to uh, excuse Locke by by any stretch, but it's part of the fabric. It's part, you know, it's a piece of the, uh, it's a piece of fabric in the tapestry that is the Drew Locke situation. I again, I've, I've mentioned it now once on this show. I'm not changing my outlook on Drew. If Fangio sticks. If the regime stays, if Elway stays for his final year in 2021, you might as well see what you got with Drew Locke with a full offseason. Keep Pat Shermer. I'm saying that. Keep him. I think you have more to risk in making a quarterback or a coordinator change than you do to gain just because it sets Drew Locke back. Instead of taking another step forward, he has to, at best case, stay in neutral for a while as he learns another scheme. And then you hope that that's enough to you know take him a couple of, of gears forward. That was my answer. It's like, give give Drew Locke Brian Dayball and see what happens then. Because the same narratives were being written about Josh Allen a few years ago. He's a bust. He can't throw. He's inaccurate. He can't play quarterback. He he should be replaced. And guess what? Dayball came along. The coaching stepped up. And he's an MVP candidate now. Not to say Locke is going to follow the same traje- trajectory or he has the same talent or ceiling as Josh Allen. But I, I think for the most part, Locke and Many other Broncos players have been failed by their coaching this season, Chad. I think it's, at this point, indisputable, at least for Fangio. 
Uh, Pickle Ian jumping in. <clears throat> Good to see you, Ian. Uh, he says, all right, well, we have been eliminated. Where do we go in the draft? And can we please, for all that is holy, get rid of Shermer? I feel you. I do feel the, uh, you know, uh, I feel the, the shade that Shermer deserves right now. But again, and I don't envy Elway and Fangio and Joe Ellis, for that matter, for these type of decisions, because if you fire Shermer at the end of this year, you have to wonder if you're cutting off your nose to spite your own face. Like you don't know what you're, how much you could be setting back. Like if the focus is Drew, let me put it this way, Zach. If if the Broncos make the decision at season's end that we're sticking with Drew as our as our understood quarterback for 2021, doesn't mean we don't tinker and bring in a backup, you know, better backup. But if he's our understood quarterback, I think you got to keep Shermer. I think you only fire Shermer if your plan is going into the offseason a reset at quarterback. Well, the double-edged sword to that is if you do go that route and you keep Shermer and you add another quarterback, it can't be a young guy because why would you want to entrust Shermer with developing another young quarterback when he failed with Locke? So if they do go that route and they bring in competition for Locke or replace him as a starter, it's got to be a veteran guy. I don't think that's the right route to take. I think you have to keep developing young quarterbacks in the NFL. Look at Marcus Mariota, Chad, in Vegas the other night. He came in for Derek Carr. He was a different quarterback. He was running. He was throwing. He's healthy now. You have to have that young guy, preferably a dual threat at this stage and the way the NFL is going. But going back to the, the veteran route, let's say you bring in Matt Stafford and pair him with Pat Shermer. What confidence is that inspiring for 2021? How many tickets is that going to sell? It's going to just waste a season that they could have used developing a young quarterback, whether it's Locke or somebody else. That's just my take on it. All right, we got a ver- another generous super chat from Jason Ingles jumping in. Ingles? Ingles jumping in, and he was top roping it at halftime, and here he is again. Wow, thank you, Jason. That means a lot to us, my friend. Seriously, thank you so much. He says, happy holidays, Broncos country, Chad, Zach, and Beast. Hopefully we learn a little bit more about our young team in the next two winnable games. I expect a lot of changes next year. Time to hop on the QB carousel again. Hashtag state of being hashtag MHH. I don't know. Again, I'm I'm sticking with Locke. I, I mean, that was bad, but look at the way everyone played around him too. And I don't just mean on offense, but there was no complimentary football this time. Like Drew scored tw- two touchdowns in the first half game. Just a few weeks ago, you would have killed to have Drew Locke's offense produce two touchdowns in the first half. But unfortunately, this came in a game in which the defense just, they were a sieve, Zach. I want off this carousel. It's the same thing I just said. I don't want another Band-Aid. I don't want another quarterback competition. And you know what? It's the same knee-jerk responses. And not to crap on the last question, the last person specifically, but uh, you know, the same reactions after Broncos win. Oh, Locke is the future. Locke's a pro bowler. Locke's the guy. It, it's, the, it's the opposite when the Broncos lose. It's replace Locke, quarterback carousel, draft another quarterback. And let me just clear something up. I didn't say I want Marcus Mariota. I see the comments. I said if, if you have a young quarterback in the NL and you develop them and stick with them, that is the route to go. Not saying bring Mariota in, but you have to have a young guy and not try to win with these Band-Aids like a broken down Stafford or an, an aged Matt Ryan. Kenneth Booker, one of our superstars, jumping in to say, thank you, Kenneth. We love you, buddy. When it was close, we could have challenged the spot of the ball on third down conversions, but didn't. Also, should we keep that kicker for onsides? That was actually a good onside kick. That was the one thing homeboy did well today. All right. Hold on. Let me just recapitulate really quick. Two missed extra points. 
the missed 54 yarder. He connects on one extra point or was it two? No, kick connected on one. And then also a dagger to open the third quarter, Zach in mile high against one of the most dangerous returners in the game. He short kicks it. He kicks it to Andre Roberts on the one and he returns at 53 yards. Those are all the bad things he did. The one good thing he did was kick a, I mean, it's hard to get an onside kick the way the new rule changes are, Zach. He popped that thing up there, and if – I think it was 36. I think it was Trey Marshall that had a shot at popping that thing out. If Marshall takes a better angle or focuses more on popping the ball out when the dude's – I mean, that's that's about as good of an opportunity as you can ask on current rules, onside kick. That's the one thing Russelino did okay. But wasn't that on a re-kick, though? Wasn't there a penalty on the first attempt and he had to redo it? I, th- I think that's what it was. But, Look, you know – I believe, and you know what? Maybe he it was the case, but Chad ultimately, considering how bad he was at the at the the few jobs that he had, he was like the Nathan Peterman of kickers. I have never seen someone lay an egg, and they have one central job. You can't nail an extra point. I mean, you've been a kicker. I'm, I'm assuming most of your professional life, it's all the same thing. You're kicking a ball, and you can't do that. Come on, get out of here. MHH male model Muhammad jumping in feels sick to his stomach. And we feel you. It was that kind of an ugly loss, Zach. And it's, you know, there's no way to sugarcoat it. It's just the type of loss that just gives you a sour, gross taste in your mouth and pit in your stomach. And we got Murphy Bros Collectibles jumping in as well with a very generous super chat. Thank you, my friend. Murphy Bros popped up on, on the radar as a superstar last week. And it's really great to see you again. And we appreciate that support, my friend. I might be alone, but something is wrong with Lindsay. He's got to be hurt still. Tough all around. Yeah, I thought he looked a little bit better today than he did the previous two same. games since he injured his knee against the Saints. But, yeah, still not the same Phil that we uh, even saw when he came back from the from the turf toe. I mean, think about it. He had a couple of games. Uh, what was the – I'm trying to remember now that sequence. Well, first of all, he rushes for 100 on the road against against the Patriots. Then the next game against the Chiefs, he gets like 89 yards on six carries or something ridiculous before he gets concussed. And then I want to say he comes back from the concussion and had a decent game. It wasn't until the knee that he seemed to be different. Yeah, and in contrast with that, Melvin Gordon has looked pretty explosive. I mean, for the most part, running in this offense as the workhorse. I was encouraged, though. I'm right there with you. I think for sure Lindsey was impacted last week, and we've made note of that. He was not himself, but he looked a little more spry today. The Broncos tried to get him the ball to the outside. He caught some passes, proving once more that he can actually catch with those hands. So it's still not the Lindsey of old, and Again, he played with turf toe and concussion and a knee problem. How many more injuries could the guy take before he does break down? I applaud him for his effort, Chad, and his what he's bringing to the table, gutting through those injuries. This is the Overtime Podcast Network. Not long ago, everyone knew that you're either born a boy or a girl. Not anymore. The Biden administration is pushing radical gender experiments on children, changing their names, clothes, identities, and bodies. Joe Biden and his left-wing allies pushed boys to take estrogen to appear more feminine. They pushed girls to take testosterone so they grow facial hair. Biden and progressive leaders promote puberty blockers to keep kids from developing to normal men and women. These drugs can leave you sterile, infertile, impotent. Joe Biden and the new left even promote surgery on teens and young adults, removing breasts and genitals. They want boys in our daughters' bathrooms and sports teams. And now, 
the Biden administration is planning to issue new rules that would force doctors to prescribe dangerous drugs and worse. Tell Joe Biden and left-wing leaders across America, hands off our kids. Paid for by America First Legal. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. Aaron Lynch, longtime listener, massive superstar in our community. Appreciate that super, my friend. He says, oof. Yeah, I mean, I yep. feel you. There's, it's, that's it, man. Oof. Enough said. Uh, Lawrence Rivera is like, yo, appreciate that super chat, my friend. And <laughs> for those of you listening, you know, he's got the, the appropriate emojis. Let me just put it that way. Um, we got Corey H. And this one's a little long, so it cuts off. So I'm going to read it from the stream. Appreciate you, by the way, Corey. Seriously. Good to see you, my friend. Longtime listener as well. Corey H., <clears throat> you know, you've been with us a long time, so we appreciate you. It says, I wouldn't let some of the people in this chat run a flag football team. You guys swing with the wind. You need elite players, and a bunch of ours are out. We just need to analyze Drew. Forget the rest. I don't disagree. I think I think it's easy for – it's easy to ride the emotional roller coaster, especially when you've been disappointed for five consecutive years. But the main key here, Zach, is it really is at this stage, you're, you're evaluating the roster. You're out of the playoffs. But it all comes down to the quarterback. Have you seen progression? I saw an improved Drew Locke in the Miami game, victory. I saw an improved Drew Locke, even in a, ugly at a couple points in that loss in Kansas City. Saw a powerhouse version of Drew Locke in Carolina. And even this Drew Locke, again, just a few weeks ago, we would have all been, you know, selling the dog down the river if you could get a couple of touchdowns from a Drew Locke offense in the first half. So you're seeing steps forward. Unfortunately, this game was kind of a step, you know, one step forward, two steps back, because after that fumble in the second half, it was just all downhill for Drew. Yeah, this definitely wasn't his worst game. I mean, he wasn't great today, but the the onus was more on the defense to me for blowing this and just being non-competitive. The question said, though, the Broncos need elite players. Well, yeah, obviously, but you need coaching as well. I, I think the Broncos, Chad, they have the talent. And I know the injuries are too much to overcome right now, but their personnel is pretty good. And you can have elite players and still not win. Look at the Browns last year. Plenty of elite players on that team, but you had Freddie Kitchens as the head coach. And that's why Kevin Stefanski now has them, what, 9-4? and four? I'm not excusing the players. I'm not excusing Locke, but so much, guys. It's on coaching. It makes it it makes the difference, not just a difference. And the Broncos just don't have that this season. Yep, the Bills were prepared to go win their division title, and as soon as they sensed a little blood in the water with that fumble, man, and they felt the emotion and the mood shift in their opponent, blood in the water. But they didn't break a sweat though, Chad. It was so seamless. It, It wasn't like they were even trying. They were going out there executing their business and going home. And they ended up blowing out the opponent. That's a really good team right there. Josh Allen produced five and a half football fields of offense today. I mean, unbelievable. Wow. They just wow. got trucked. Scott Rinaldi jumping in. Good to see you, Scott. Appreciate that super chat. And uh, make sure you connect with us on Twitter so we can shout you out after the show. And welcome. He says, injuries in the virus, uh, injuries virus year 
issue or a front office issue. No, so in other words, you attribute what's going on, what, what we saw today more as a culmination of just this outlier of a season, the mulligan effect, or is this really, hey, man, front office, time to go. I can't put this on Elway, and I've said this before. I think he had a really good offseason with the right intentions, and his heart was in the right place, wanting to make the Broncos a legit contender, at least in his eyes, and surrounding Drew Locke with uh, receivers and offensive line. He had the right, uh, you know, vision. It just—it's not his fault that injuries happen and and CV happen. I'm throwing Elway out of the equation. What happened this year was injuries for sure, the pandemic to a lesser extent, but also coaching. That it really is what it comes down to, Chad. The coaching failed the players, the players failed the coaching, and injuries were just the cherry on top. That's what it was. Uh, Kevin G jumping in. Thank you, my friend. He says, Locke still looks lost after his first read. Dink and dunk can only work for so long. Seems like he still wants to run after a good pocket. Kicker, garbage. Yeah, the kicker is definitely uh, forgettable garbage. He had his chance to make it, you know, make a make a splash in the league, and and he definitely botched it, but... One thing definitely absent from this game, Zach, and without seeing the film, I can't speak with authority on exactly what might have led to this, but on the surface, it just seems like decision-making on Drew's part and or Shermer's part, there were no shots downfield. There were no shots to try and, you know, peel that second and third level of the Bills' defense off and away from the line of scrimmage. And even if you don't connect on them, you know, you got to take a shot here and there just to let the opponent know that, hey, you know, we're that this could happen. It, it backs off the defense. It gets some people out of the box, and it makes you it makes the opponent respect your offense a little more for sure, Chad. And it seemed like last week they were using the short passes to set up the long pass, which is the right approach. Great approach by Shermer and Drew Locke, but they were using the short passes today to set up nothing. And one thing that I, I was saying in the first half, I tweeted this. I didn't have much of an issue with the play calling, but the third down play calling, no matter if it's third and three or third and 10, why low percentage passes down the sideline that give no offense, whoever the receiver is, no shot of getting it. What about a quick header over the middle? What about a screen? High percentage, keep the chains moving, let the defense rest and hopefully put up more points. So again, I, when Locke used his legs and broke the pocket, it was more exciting and more effective to watch the offense. But like you said, to take no deep balls, no deep shots against even this defense, it's a failure, again, in game planning and situational management and coaching. Flyfish Hunter with a super chat. Thank you. We do appreciate you, Flyfish Hunter. If you're on Twitter, reach out. Who would have guessed Josh Allen was the pick at five for Denver? Sure didn't seem to be at the time. Um, here's the thing people have to remember, and it was obviously wrong. You know, this, this thought process, this logic was wrong. But if you go back in time to that draft, 2018 draft, the Broncos, John Elway was only two years removed from a first round investment in Paxton Lynch and was still holding out hope that he could come in this that summer, even though they had just paid some money to Case Keenum and show out. Well, what ended up happening was he faded and faded quick. Chad Kelly shined that summer and Paxton Lynch was cut at the end of training camp that if, if Paxton Lynch, Zach is not on the, on the roster when the Broncos go into that 2018 draft, I guarantee you the pick at five, maybe it wasn't Josh Allen, but it would have been one of those available quarterbacks. Probably though, Josh Allen. Yeah. It's, it's revisionist history guys. I mean, I I was not a Josh Allen fan. I told you this chat before we went on tonight. I was not that big of a fan of the guy. I didn't think he had it to be an NFL quarterback and boy, he proved me wrong. He proved a lot of people wrong. 
I thought Bradley Chubb was a great pick, and he he was deserving of that pick in his rookie year. He almost set the sack record, came back strong this year. I can't blame Chubb or that draft and the Broncos not having a quarterback or Paxton Lynch. They try with Locke. They try with a couple other guys, and they, they haven't succeeded. That's all it is. For what it's worth, those of you who've been with MHH a long time, you know that we were pounding the table for quarterback. We were pounding the table. I know uh, Nick Kendall was was uh, amongst the Rosen Brosen. Thank God that didn't happen. He wanted Josh Rosen. Um, I was, at that stage, I would have been good with either Rosen or Allen. I wasn't really thinking Lamar. I'll be frank. I'm not going to lie. And I'm trying to think who was there. That's it, right? It was Lamar, Allen, and Rosen that were options there because Baker and Darnold had already been picked. So, you know, we wanted a quarterback because we'd seen the writing on the wall, but it was the Broncos who had made the investment in Lynch. Now, Paul, 826, a bona fide superstar, an MHH Mount Rushmore guy who is on every podcast. This is a guy that listens to – Seven days a week of MHH podcast programming, and and for a long time we appreciate you, my my brother. He says water for Zach. He's on fire. <laughs> Why not practice a few deep balls? We're with you, dog. At least for the sake of reps, throw throw a deep pass against this Bills defense for crying out loud. You have a you know you have a strong arm gunslinger, and you turn him into Alex Smith. You turn him into Case Keenum or a game manager, and. You know, it's the it's the biggest asset of Locke's game is his arm strength and his arm talent and his long ball. You don't attempt one of those. It's just a, it's a miscarriage of justice, Chad. That's what I'll say. Smith Corona jumping in. Generous Super Chat, one of our superstars. And it was cool. Smith Corona reached out and connected with us finally uh, last week at some point on Twitter. And it was cool to connect with you, my friend. Uh, he says, rough one. Hope everyone has a nice pain-free Sunday without Broncos football. LOL. This podcast makes these losses easier to swallow, especially for hot-headed, emotional fans like me. Thanks, guys. Appreciate you, Smith Corona. You do that for us too. You know, I'll be one of the cool collateral benefits of doing these live streams is, you know, we get to check Zach the the true temperature of Broncos country, whether it's a win or a loss that we're coming off uh, in the gut reaction. And right now, Broncos country is more than disappointed. Like this was a dejected. You know, just ugly, embarrassing loss. When you when you put disappointment and and add to that embarrassment, it doesn't bring out anything good in fans, media, the team itself. It's just an ugly day. Because you know the Broncos fan base is just tired, Chad. It's five years now of a non-playoffless season. And I mean, it's not just that they're slowly getting better and slowly turning the corner. And even it seemed like the Bengals, I mean, take away Zach Taylor, Joe Burrow, they have some talent, some pieces there. They look like they're turning the corner. The Giants, uh, Washington, they're teams that are still bad, but they have upside. They're developing, they're getting better. Since 2016, they've gotten worse and worse and worse and worse and worse. And I don't blame humans or fans at all for reacting emotionally, Chad, to an emotional game and an emotional loss. It's it's completely normal. I'm going to read this super real quick from Tom and then grab Aaron while he's still on screen. Uh, Tom Algreco, appreciate you. He says, Russellini's NFL career started today and ended today. Thanks, guys. Well said. Right on the Right on the money there. Aaron Lynch, jumping in again, man. Thank you. Love you, bud. Appreciate you. What more can we say? Seriously means the world to us. He says, I took some silverware from Elway's at the restaurant, right? Uh, thinking it would be good luck to have for game days. <clears throat> that was right before the 2016 season. Every season since Super Bowl 50, thus is my fault. 
John, if you're listening, I'll write this wrong. It's like <laughs> poltergeist. Is that what it was? Guys, we now have the <laughs> the true culprit of the Broncos. Uh, bad luck, and it's Aaron Lynch for thieving some uh, some silver from from Elway's. No, I that's hey, look, I I don't blame you for for wanting a little good luck charm, and I just wish it would have worked out better. Put it back. Put it back <laughs> where you found it, please, and slowly walk out. So hopefully we can get this bad juju out of the way. Uh, John, we've got uh, Lawrence Rivera, and then I'm current if you have it if not i'll throw him on real quick and i'll just uh read what he says here lawrence rivera jumping in on super chat to say we need a quarterback all right yeah i would say you need a um coach and (laughs) yeah a quarterback a few other things but yeah it's it's just one of those days male model mhh male model that is muhammad jumping in again love you bro he says luke in the house hashtag smooth kill Kill, kill, killer. killer. Appreciate that. My Smooth brother. criminal. Um, all right. We're sitting here at, at the one hour mark. So, John, let's kind of rapid fire what we have left here from our wonderful, wonderful superstars because we got a, a bunch of uh, content we got to get up at milehighhuddle.com. Let's grab real quick here, though. Robot of Doom on Twitch. Appreciate the the uh, listen and the, and the question and the comment here. He says, Black, uh, I don't, he's probably talking to uh, Black Knight. Drew is a good quarterback. You don't think if we were healthy, we'd win more games? I bet we win against the Titans in week one, definitely against the Steelers week two. We could have won so much if we didn't get hurt. You know it. I do agree that, uh, you know, I agree that the, it's not just players getting hurt. Like, look at just this, this last stretch, for example. You can live without a Sang Bassey. If Bryce Callahan doesn't get hurt, maybe you can survive Bryce Callahan getting hurt, Zach, if A.J. Bouye doesn't get a six-game suspension. It's one thing after the other. What I'm getting at, though, is it's all the best players, you know, all the most proven, established players that the salary cap dollars are all invested in. They're not on the freaking field in 2020. So it's like, what more do you expect? And that's why this entire season kind of has a mulligan feel as inconvenient as that is for fans who just, you know, they want, they want a head on the wall. They want someone to pay for yet another painful season here as Broncos fans, but talk to the, talk to the football gods, man, talk to the injury bug, because that was the, if you're, if you're, you know, putting a FBI most wanted on the wall and you're looking for mug shots, that's number one. You're trying to find that injury bug, track him down, put him in prison for life. (laughs) <laughs> what it could have should have though uh, that's my thing it's like okay if they didn't get hurt if this if that well guess what guys even with the current Broncos outfit in that Tennessee game they could have won that game they could have won the Pittsburgh game they could have won plenty of games this year if the coaching and to an extent the players and, and the the performance on the field was better but look at that Tennessee game I mean you ignore your best player you you call ridiculous fourth down plays in in the red zone. They could have won that game even with the injury. So that's what I'm saying. In multiple spurts this year, yes, the quarterbacking has been bad. Offensive line, bad. Defense, bad. But the coaching, the what's supposed to be the constant, what's supposed to be the asset and the boon to this team has let their players down more often than not. Uh, John, I'm grabbing Kenneth here, and then my stream just did a jump. I don't know if you have Christie's queued up, but if so – Christy, let's grab her next. Kenneth jumping in again. Appreciate you, bro. He says, one positive thing with a loss, you're a pick closer. 
to Caleb Farley. I guess that is the one positive, Zach, that, that we missed when we were trying to think of a positive to take away from this game. I just tweeted that the Broncos are now scheduled to pick 10th overall with this loss. So back in the top 10, back to a blue chip prospect. It could be Caleb Farley, could be Patrick Sertan, uh, the second could be Micah Parsons. How great would he look in Denver, orange and blue? You know, that's, that's a guy to keep in mind as well. It's going to be fun. I mean, we're only two weeks of real time away two and two and a little bit more than that, but to looking at the, the off season and talking about free agent fixes, talking about the draft and it's going to be a lot of fun. And what we're going to do just so everyone is, is on the same page here is we're going to schedule a stream early, early January, the first week of January. And Zach and I are going to lean on our draft experts here at MHH, starting with Eric Trickle, Nick Kendall, Carl Dummler, uh, Luke as well, and Lance Sanderson. We're going to say, all right, let's put together the, you know, the uh, positions and let's put top 10 guys at each position and just go through it and kind of get a beat and a feel for who the names are, who are the fits, and, and really open up 2021 draft-wise with a focus on who's out there. So we don't, in other words, what we don't want to happen for our great listeners is going into the off season, we start talking draft and it's exciting, but as we're mentioning these players and names and stuff for the first time, you're hearing it here, you're hearing it there. It doesn't really stick. It doesn't really add up. You're not necessarily sure who some of these guys are or, you know, where they played ball or why they're a fit for Denver. So we're going to have kind of that comprehensive show to open 2021. It's going to, it's going to be fun. So we'll look forward to that. Uh, The queen, of MHH jumping in top roping it, Christy. We love you. We appreciate you. Thank you. And happy holidays. Merry Christmas, Christy. Thanks, guys. Trying to show some positive in a sea of chaos. Keep up the good work and go Broncos. Twenty twenty one will be better all around. I agree. And you know it's interesting, Zach. Last night, late, I was going through some of the some of the media quotes availability from Thursday that the Broncos send us. Which shout out to Broncos PR. They transcribe all those press conferences, send it to us so that we can have the quotes right on hand, put it, use them on our stories. And they do a lot of work behind the scenes that help uh, publications like us out. But nevertheless, Bradley Chubzak, with regard to Drew Locke and the offense, he said, I can't wait to see them in 2021 because they just need the reps and the OTAs and training camp with the same system. And it's going to be next level. It's going to be huge is, is the word he used for 2021. Yeah, the, the queen hath spoken, I guess, Chad. And that's, I agree. I mean, again, we all say, you know, the grass is always greener and wait till next year. It's always the credo of being a Jets fan, you know, wait till next year. Next year will be better. But this is legitimately the case. I mean, you bring back a healthy Broncos team and their two best players and Von Miller and Cortland Sutton. And hopefully you have some stable quarterback and coaching. This is a playoff team. Uh, and Chad and I will continue to defend that, that take and die on that hill for as long as necessary. All right, let's see here. Uh, I can grab him if we need to. Do you have Tom? Do you have Tom's? If not, I'll grab I'll grab Mark real quick. In fact, let me just grab Mark. And then uh, we got Kenneth, Brett, Joe Valdez as well. Been waiting patiently. Brett, very generous super chat, my friend. That means a lot to us. You're not a name that we recognize, and so we assume that you're one of our great daily listeners and even live stream viewers. And uh, you know sticking that big toe in the water for the first time on super chat. So thank you. We do appreciate you, my friend, make sure you connect with us on, on Twitter. And welcome Brett. Thank you. Um, Joe Valdez jumping in. Appreciate you, Joe. Same message to you. Connect with us on Twitter. My friend, he says, what are your thoughts on Shermer's play calling? 
Shermer's play calling today, for all the progress he showed last week and even the two weeks prior, Zach, he lost it. He lost the plot today. I I can't explain it. And a lot of it, you know, it's going to be contingent on looking at the All-22 film, which we'll probably get Tuesday, maybe Monday, since this was a Saturday game. But it just wasn't good. He lacked any real feel for this game. And he sure as hell did not put his players in the best position possible to succeed, including his quarterback. No, I think he was like a D-plus today. And the only reason he was that high is because of the first half, or it wasn't that bad. But even then, I mentioned the third down play calling, the low percentage passes, and the three and outs, no rhythm, no creativity, being vanilla again, no deep ball attempts with Drew Locke, which is incomprehensible to think about. It's just, again, it's Pat Shermer being Pat Shermer. And yeah, I agree with you. There was some positive momentum the last couple weeks, but poof, it's gone now. Kenneth Booker wants to know why didn't Fangio challenge on those third downs? This is the my this is the only explanation. Rarely do field position challenges pay off for coaches. And so in that vein, that conservative I'm I'm more I fear more loss than I do have hope of gain. You know, human beings are motivated by two things: hope of gain, fear of loss, and that pendulum, whichever way it kind of uh swings tells you what type of person a per, you know anyone is especially a coach for Fangio he's more of a hope uh he's more of a, excuse me of a fear of loss guy and so he goes look I'm probably not going to win these field position challenges I'm not by the way I'm not justifying I'm just telling you the thought process probably not going to win these these challenges so I and I want to save those timeouts I don't want to lose those timeouts you know I guess missing for Zach completely the fact that those timeouts aren't going to help you you're getting blown out dog Remember in Tennessee, though, he took the three timeouts to sleep with him that night, Chad? It just, it also shows your team that you, you have their backs. You think that the refs got it wrong, that the players stepped up. And after that second non-challenge by uh, Vic Fangio, what did Sean McDermott do? He challenged the spot of the ball on the goal line. Even if you're wrong, it's just, you, you have to have the intuitive nature of being a head coach, not to trust the analytics or what a computer tells you or what the guy upstairs tells you, trust your own eyes and your own intuition and throw the flag. Take a chance. And also push the envelope whenever you can. Push the envelope. Mark Langley, appreciate you, my friend. He says, Merry Christmas, guys. And I stand by Locke. He needs reps. Don't hate the hater. Hate the game. (laughs) Amen, brother. Appreciate you, Mark. Merry Christmas to you, Mark. Yes. Love you, buddy. To you and yours. Uh, Give give our best to to the missus, to your son, to the whole – Langley fam. Naj jumping in again. Love you, bro. Really appreciate that support. He says, brothers, I've been following the Broncos since 1984, and I can't recall a five-year span as disheartening as this. Just don't see the light at the end of the tunnel. I remember the days teams feared mile high. That mystique is gone. Naj, there hasn't been a five-year span as disheartening as this from 1984 to current time. I mean, you have to go back to the sixties to find one, uh, a a five-year gap like that, that comes close. This is definitely in the modern history of the team, the the lowest point, and there's no getting around it. No. And that's what I was saying earlier. It's like Broncos fans and to an extent were spoiled. I mean, with, if not championship success, then consistent playoff success or consistent winning record success. There has been, you know, exceptions every now and then, but Chad, it's been consistent year in and year out. And they went from being a nine and seven team in 2016, the first year post Peyton Manning to being, you know, five and 11, six and 10, seven and nine. It's the same 
dreadful record, non-playoffless season, no quarterback, no upside, no ceiling. And that's the the perception. Not that's not. I'm saying that's the reality. That's the way the fan base sees it. It's just they're they're a nobody franchise right now. They're a rudderless ship floating in the ocean, and some of that is true. And that's that's the disheartening part. All right, we got about five minutes till I got to dip out because I got to. I'm, I'm recording a video, sit down conversation with Kim Beckers that's going to be hitting YouTube and MileHighHuddle.com here in the very very near future, like in less than an hour from now. Uh, but Jay Boss jumping on, appreciate you, Jay. Look at how depleted we are. They are a defense. They are a D hop hail mary away from winning eight straight. This team is no joke, and we kind of are at the moment. Speaking specifically to the Bills, and you're 100 percent right. Uh, Pickle Ian also jumping in again. Thanks, Ian. He says, I'm noticing a trend. Our three titles, we've had a more offensive-based head coach. Am I wrong in looking at Eric Bieniemy as head coach and let Fangio be the defensive coordinator? Hashtag, hmm. So, yeah, I mean, the to speak really quick here to what Jay Boss said, the Bills are an elite team for a reason. That's a juggernaut. I mean, Broncos walked into a buzzsaw. I don't know if they were sleeping on them. I don't know how to explain that. Right. How could they you? They gave up. Um, but there is a point to what Ian said real quick before we grab Kelton. And thank you. He says, uh, Kelton does keep doing, uh, keep doing y'all love the streams. Thanks Kelton. Thank Reach you. out on Twitter. But Ian's point about the whole offensive thing. It's not just that all three titles came with a, with an offensive minded head coach, Zach, it was the Shanahan tree. It was Mike Shanahan, the first two and Kubiak who springs off that tree for the third. Yeah. And here's the thing, though. For any Broncos fan who thinks that Fangio would step down and be the defensive coordinator, it doesn't work that way. It's either you have Fangio as the head coach or you have the enemy as the head coach if you fire Fangio. You can't have it both ways. And I've been, we've been saying this for a while, and we said this during that hiring cycle. This was after, by the way, they passed on an offensive guy like Kyle Shanahan for Vance Joseph. You have to have an offensive mind as a head coach. Uh, in today's league. And the Broncos went against the green with Fangio being an older and defensive guy, not a younger offensive guy. And you can argue now, two years later, maybe it was the wrong choice, Chad. Maybe. Super sticker from Muhammad. Wow, dude. Thank you so much. I mean, that means the world to us, my friend. And let me tell you, we're going to be grinding for you and for our entire community all through this weekend. We're going to be grinding all next week. We'll let you know tomorrow what our plans are for kind of the Christmas weekend as far as programming is concerned. But this is what allows us to do that support like this from Muhammad and from all of our superstars. It means the world to us, my friend. And uh, we we just we appreciate you more than we can say. And Kenneth Booker says also uh, 55 million ish of our salary isn't on the field. That's what I'm saying, dude. It's brutal. I mean, it has just been brutal. And you saw today. I, I use this a lot. You guys are probably sick of hearing me say it, that Fangio has been the little Dutch boy with his finger in the dike, plug one hole, and another one springs open. Today, Zach, it showed that all 10 of Fangio's digits in the dike, <laughs> all of his toes as well, and then – Not touching know, that one. 48. <laughs> 48 uh, new holes pop open today. You just don't have any more digits, dude. I mean, you could – you can maybe come up with one, but still, that's that's 47 shy. It's the huddle up hot after dark, folks. <laughs> Holden Adams, love you, buddy. Jumping in on a super. He says, just got off. Show the box score. Got to have patience and faith in the team. Everything that could have gone wrong this year did. On to 2021. Denver Broncos for life. MHH is the best pod. Thank hey, you, man. Holden. I love that spirit. You know, at bottom, I'm an optimist. I'm a glass half full type of guy. 
And I do respect that, Holden. And so kudos to you for that mentality. WE says, the last three games for Judy, four catches, 60 yards. Inexcusable for our first-round talent. Fant was ignored in the second half. Surprise, surprise, too much checkdowns, too. Yeah, it's like the pendulum, going back to the whole pendulum thing. Drew Locke never taking what the defense gave him underneath, always going for the throat. You know, that changed in Carolina. You're like, yeah, but he also balanced that with the deep shots. But then today it swung back the other way because all he did was take the underneath checkdowns. There was no aggression whatsoever. Yeah, and that's, again, it's when you coach Locke the right way and coach these offensive players, young guys, the right way, it just seems like there's a disconnect in philosophy, maybe even rooted in the age gap, Chad. Maybe this is the reason why that Scangarello, a younger guy, and T.C. McCartney, a younger guy, he was like 29 last year, he resonated with the young quarterback and the young players like Noah Fant, Drew Locke, even to an extent, Philip Lindsay, but you have Pat Shermer, who's what, 58, 59 years old, and he's coaching up 21 year olds and Jerry Judy. And not only that, he doesn't have, he doesn't understand what they want, what they need, how to coach them, how to maximize them. There's just a, at least in my opinion, a major disconnect between coaching and the players. Joe, we're going to explain to you how to get in touch with us on Twitter. As soon as we grab this super sticker from Muhammad and then we're out of here, we're going to tell you exactly how to connect with us. So be ready for that. And thank you again for the super chat support. Muhammad super sticker. John, I don't know if you have that or you could show whatever that emoji is, but Muhammad, thanks. I mean, what more can we say, brother? We, we just appreciate you um, more than we could say, but gang, that's got to do it for tonight's episode of the huddle up podcast, gut reaction style. Thanks to each and every one of you for giving us an hour and 17 minutes of your time, whether you're with us live and a lot of you are going to be listening to this after the fact as a podcast. We just appreciate each one of you so much. And it's a mile high salute to all of our super, uh, super chat superstars, our Facebook supporters. Again, guys, I, I, it's not a cliche. I say this for a reason. That support allows Zach and I and all of the podcast guys and the video focus that we do, it allows us to be able to do that. And so it's, it's like, uh, you know, community funded content. It's on you guys. And we appreciate that because it allows us to do that. But here, going back to Joe, Joe, here's how you connect with us on Twitter. First off, follow the podcast account at huddle up pod. And then you follow the main account at mile high huddle. If you have those two accounts followed, you're not going to miss anything as it relates to podcast programming, giveaways, uh, notifications, polls, all that stuff. And then if you follow mile high huddle on Twitter as well, you miss nothing as it relates to Broncos news and analysis, all of the articles from Zach and myself and all of the great writing staff at MHH. And then also we want you to connect with us as individuals on Twitter. My partner is at Kelberman at Kelberman NFL, myself at Chad and Jensen. And then our producer, Bona Beast on Twitter though. It's at John K MHH. That's K A Y at John K MHH. So keep your chin up Broncos country. It's going to be all right. And there's Muhammad's uh, emoji. Number one fan, love you, buddy. Thank you. We're a fan of you, MHH male model. Uh, a quick reminder, guys, go to – you got time. Go to manscaped.com, use the code HUDDLE, and get 20% off plus free shipping. Stocking stuffer ideas, it's perfect. Good stuff. And then also shout out to sportsbetting.com. Get that $1,000 uh, risk-free week of, of sports betting up to $1,000 at sportsbetting.com slash mile high huddle zach we'll be back tomorrow for the aftermath pod and we'll see kind of what the talking points are between now and then but hey man we'll see what happens have a good night and you know we'll turn the page and see see where we are or where we are tomorrow night 
I'm so thrown off right now. I feel like today's Sunday and tomorrow's Monday, and we're actually recording tomorrow and Monday as well. So, you know, it's a tough loss, Broncos country. We're not going to sit here and, and, you know, put lipstick on a pig. It was a blowout loss. They should feel sorry for themselves or ashamed of themselves, and there's better times ahead. That's what I'll say. We're not going to try to, you know, goose it too much, but like Chad said, hang in there. Brian Corr jumping in at the 11th hour. Appreciate that, brother. He says, enjoyed the pod. Denver Broncos for life. Let them hate. That's right, Brian. Seriously, let them hate. Today was bad. Broncos got exposed. But to those same fans that right now want to throw Drew back to the Wolves, think of that Tim Tebow blowout ugly loss to the Detroit Lions, right? Comes in and, and wins a squeaker on the road at Miami and then comes back home and just gets embarrassed by a pretty average, not good Detroit Lions team. And then they come back and go on a run. So, you know, that was a different time. It's not apples to apples, but, you know, there sometimes games are outliers. Sometimes they don't mean anything more than what the, what the scoreboard showed. Sometimes they do. And only time will tell what this game, you know, the meaning of this game really is. But for Zach Kelberman, I'm Chad Jensen. Love each and every one of you. We'll see you tomorrow night, 6 p.m. Mountain, 8 p.m. Eastern. You've been listening to the Huddle Up Podcast. Join Broncos Country's deep divers at milehighhuddle.com to keep the conversation going. Not long ago, everyone knew that you're either born a boy or a girl. Not anymore. The Biden administration is pushing radical gender experiments on children changing their names, clothes, identities, and bodies. Joe Biden and his left-wing allies pushed boys to take estrogen to appear more feminine. They pushed girls to take testosterone so they grow facial hair. Biden and progressive leaders promote puberty blockers to keep kids from developing to normal men and women. These drugs can leave you sterile, infertile, impotent. Joe Biden and the new left even promotes surgery on teens and young adults, removing breasts and genitals. They want boys in our daughters' bathrooms and sports teams. And now, the Biden administration is planning to issue new rules that would force doctors to prescribe dangerous drugs and worse. Tell Joe Biden and left-wing leaders across America, hands off our kids. Paid for by America First Legal. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner.